fire, fire. Yeah, I have no idea whether <laughs> I got the start of the show right today. You just never know. Damien Dunn, hello. Good morning. Damien, I want to start the show with something so graphic. But you remember when you were a teen and I was a teen and, you, and other people were teens? And based on how the changes you're going through in your body, your skin would get oily and, and certain conditions and blemishes would appear on your face. Do you remember this time? All too well. Well, I apparently I'm going through a renaissance because I have said blemish on the bridge of my nose where my glasses sit. And it is so incredibly painful that I have considered severing the head at the shoulders. Any thoughts? Uh, I think this might be a time for a crossover episode with Dr. Pimple Popper. You know, the whole concept of that show gives me the heebie-jeebies. Really? Like, I can't get, I, like, I'm so disgusted by the name of the show, by the concept of the show, the visuals of the show. I, I couldn't possibly get down like that. Anybody else in your family potentially go through that uh, or be, be interested in that sort of programming? My daughter likes it, and uh, I think my mother watches it. They watch it together, which just seems like a real bonding experience for a generation jump. Dame, um, how was your week? Uh, it was uh, rough. I had a little bit of illness running through the household, yes. the, the northern household, but uh, seemed to be well uh, most of us seem to be getting getting past it uh, others are just beginning the process so it's it's going to be a great weekend in our house dame um so i'm excited this weekend is the first game official game hello mike good to be with you uh the first official game of my daughter's soccer season she's uh u13 as they call it mm -hmm. everyone under 13 i'm an assistant coach or as my daughter calls me an assistant to the coach the spirit of the office <laughs> office yeah and i have introduced game analytics to the program this year. I, I have an app on my iPad, which I could show you if I really wanted to. In fact, I might show you. It allows you to uh, have a starting lineup. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this on the live stream right now. Um, you to have a starting lineup here. I'm gonna go full screen. And you can move people in and out of the lineup on the screen. And you can press play and it keeps track of playing time and it keeps statistics. So if there's a score, I can click on it. I can say Carolyn scored, Molly desisted, and I can add it. And then at the end of the season, all the stats line up. This again splits the minutes equally amongst the ladies. And uh, I can provide real-time analytics to the coach on the sideline. And I'm very, very excited about this. Um, and Sarah, oh, pardon me, Mrs. Planner, I should say, thinks I'm insane. Well, there's nothing like giving, uh, giving your parents concrete evidence for them to fire insults at you let's just say that's why i'm doing it. no it's not why i'm doing it. we've got a good set of parents anyway dame we have a, a financial radio show it turns out oh okay so here's the topics this week uh, i want to talk about that article i sent over this week about people not taking distributions from their retirement accounts okay i i hate to be that guy but i'm going to be the i don't buy it guy yeah that seemed a little unbelievable to me i mean i'd love to see what their sample was the demographics of their sample but i'm i'm really skeptical of that we're also going to do that article i think you put in the system about Amer americans spending more around 700 dollars more a month and i want to just walk through that because there's some sort of obvious uh, mm -hmm. elements to that and i might do i was going to do this when phil schumann joined us but i think we might do the college uh colleges are struggling piece mm -hmm. are you okay with that sure 
of course, the Boaman News. Okay. Well, good. Let's uh, let me get the clock started here. Get ready for the show. Last week, by the way. So the podcast, I think, sounded, I believe, perfectly fine. I believe. Uh, maybe it didn't. But when it went to radio, there was like this weird staticky thing in our, on our signal last week when I edited it and put it up for the radio stations to download and play over the air. And I thought, maybe my ears just hearing it because I'm, I'm sensitive to this. And then uh, we, Mrs. Planner and I were listening to the show air live on our flagship station, 93 WIBC. She turns to me and she goes, what's that static? And I said, you just ruined my life. <laughs> so I'd like to note that we didn't do anything to try and track that down or prevent that from happening again this week. So maybe your week's ruined again. I would like to put a, um, a bow on the Dikembe Mutombo story from uh, a yes. couple of weeks ago. Um, so a couple elements to this. First off, Theodore Dunn. Ted Dunn just got a Dikembe Mutombo throwback jersey, which is incredibly awesome. The good one. A really good one. So I want to show it on the, there he he is uh, with the Dikembe Mutombo throwback jersey. I get very excited. Number two, and and this is what people may not realize. Dikembe Mutombo's son, Ryan Mutombo, naturally, signed to play at Georgetown. Uh, next year, he uh, just signed this year. He's uh, the 16th rated center in all of high school basketball. And Dame, what Mrs. Planner and I figured out this morning is you know the classic story I tell of Dikembe Mutombo of seeing him with his family at a resort, slapping a roll out of his son's hand and saying "no roll." That's a true story. The boy he slapped the roll out of, Ryan Mutombo. It all comes back. It all is. I mean, I might be the only person enamored with this whole thing, but I think it's great. I think you need to get tickets to a Georgetown game and sometime just yell on no roll and see if it gives a flashback. Let's start the show. Are you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at PeteThePlanner.com, and here's what we'll do. We're not going to sell you stuff. Uh, by the way, Damian Dunn joins me on the program. He's the Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money. Dame, hello. Hello. One of the things that drove me crazy for years when you turn on financial radio shows is that the answer ends up being call me on Monday. I don't like that. I don't like the idea that we're not going to give you any really good insight because you're going to have to call us on Monday. So our show is just about answering your questions while we're here. You don't have to call us uh, on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to have us sell you things because that's not what we do. I don't know why I decided to throw everyone else under the bus right now. Dame, here's what's on the show this week. We are going to talk about a new study that came out suggesting that most retirees aren't tapping their nest eggs before they're required withdrawals. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about why it does not pass my personal sniff test. We're also going to discuss Americans spending more than they did in 2020. Really? That one does pass the sniff test and is barely worth a mention, but we're going to go through that. And of course, what we all knew was coming. Colleges are struggling and there's predictions that several colleges will be going out of business, which is a strange concept in the next couple of years. So, Dame, let's get started. Let's 
understand that there is a retirement crisis in this country and it has nothing necessarily to do with COVID-19. People have struggled to retire since the early 80s, Dame, since one major retirement mechanism began to switch over to another major retirement mechanism. Do you want to read the folks in on this? Yeah, sure. Uh, Once upon a time, pensions funded the retirement of the vast majority of Americans. And pensions, if you are are, uh, just getting caught up, or don't even know because you've you've never been able to participate in one. Uh, basically, the day you retire, you keep getting paid. That, that's a beautiful thing. You know, you'd say, I'm not going to work here anymore. They say, great, we'll send your check to your address. Keep on doing life. A very low uh, chance for you to really uh, hurt yourself financially because you have a constant stream of income on top of Social Security and things are likely to look really, really good for you. However... Pensions are expensive to run and maintain. Employers figured that out and said, you know what? We're going to shift some of this uh, this risk to the employee. We're going to match some of their contributions. And we're going to let the market take care of the magic for them. And so that's where we get the 401k, 403b, 457 plans, where they are participant-driven, participant-guided retirement plans. You make the contributions. You choose the investments. Get a little bit of match maybe from your employer. And when you get ready to retire... Well, however you did was how you did. You don't have any guarantees necessarily going forward into retirement. And why this is interesting is because this is what really began to create nest eggs. This concept of I have a big chunk of money that I control and distribute at my whims. However, Dane, because these pensions were going away and these defined uh, contribution plans replaced them, what ended up happening was... People then also had to create a stream of income off these nest eggs. And so this article uh, on CNBC.com this week suggests that a J.P. Morgan Asset Management and Employee Benefit Research Institute study say some 80% of the retiree studies didn't withdraw money from accounts before the required minimum distributions, known as RMDs. Uh, and, and, And that's shocking to me because if we're in a retirement crisis... That suggests whatever a person's nest egg is, theoretically, would have to supplement their Social Security income starting at age 62. And so I don't buy it because in practice, having done this for a very long time, and while I don't watch people retire today like I used to when I was a wealth manager, people tapped their assets much sooner than their RMDs in my experience. Yeah, way earlier than RMDs. RMD age, by the way, uh, probably during the time of this study, I'm going to guess, was 70 and a half. That's recently been changed to 72. And uh, actually, there's some um, push uh, in, in D.C. to actually get that pushed to 75. So hasn't happened yet. 72 is the law of the land. But uh, 70 and a half, if you figure most people are going to retire 65-ish, give or take a year or so, to be able to make it five years on social security and maybe whatever other cash you've got laying around or other um, pension money uh, is still a chance, especially if you're in education, pension pension might be in there Um, or part-time work. It's really tough for me to understand that 80% of retirees were able to make that work between the time they retire and the time they needed to tap into their, were forced to tap into their retirement accounts. Can you put on your Pete is generally wrong hat for a second here while I give you some ideas? Yeah. 
So the Social Security Act from back in the day, when 1933, I think, uh, was brought around to provide a safety net in a person's retirement years. I mean, the, the term safety net is part of the, the deal here. So that is to say, if you aren't able to support yourself in retirement based on your own pension and or uh, nest egg, then the, the Social Security retirement benefit you receive on a monthly basis will do that. Well, that didn't really become the safety net. It became people's sort of base level income. And I guess you could split hairs as the safety net and a base level income, the same thing. But people built their foundation on Social Security. And so then they began to supplement that. So here's the assertion I want to make that sounds really out of touch and arguably condescending. I have come to the conclusion in my experience that Okay, I had to I have to pump the brakes here because this is just is on the verge of just being disastrous. What I'm about to say, in many instances, you're better off living at a lifestyle prior to retirement that is in accordance with that Social Security benefit than you would be for someone making a lot more than Social Security and then trying to retire with Social Security and then the supplemental income you get from your assets. In other words, let's strip away all of the, the hedged language there. You're better off making $50,000, $60,000 a year heading into retirement than you are making $110,000 a year retirement if you've not saved properly for retirement because your, in, your lifestyle is so much higher that it's going to be harder for you to supplement the lifestyle you're used to between your income and your Social Security income. Dame, am I going to get letters? Probably. But unfortunately, reality says that you're probably more right than wrong. If, if you have very limited resources looking at you for retirement, you better get used to living on less dollars or figure out a way to extend your uh, working career, whether it's part-time or full-time, because it's, that's just math at that point. Your expenses may outstrip your income oblig or income resources, uh, or at least what they can support on a month-to-month -month basis and, and put you in a really, really uncomfortable position in pretty short order. So if you are relying on social security provide the majority of your income and retirement you better make sure that your expenses are getting close to lining up with what that social security benefit is projected to be before you get to retirement or you're going to have uh, a really nasty crash course in what life's going to look like uh, you know uh, albeit this uh, is condescending I, I am willing to say here that this is one of my favorite elements of money is that a person who makes significantly less income over the course of their career can have a much more sustainable, reasonable retirement if that income more closely mirrors their Social Security benefit than someone who makes significantly more because of the lifestyle that second person chose to live during retirement. And not that there's this great equalizer or, or it's a contest. But I like the idea that someone making $60,000 through their entire career can, can actually have a more sustainable, safer retirement than a physician that spent years making hundreds of thousands of dollars, which is, again, a weird thing to say because who, who is, what is being proven to whom, but it's still interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the interesting ways on how Social Security is set up to benefit people who don't make uh, as much as others, and it's, uh, it's not a horrible approach. Let's take a break. Coming up after the break, we're talking about why Americans are spending more in 2021. You know that, but now the data supports it. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. 
Look at you watching the clock so I don't get burned on the way out. I, I gave you not much time, and you're a professional because you're a radio star now, as everyone knows. Trying to help my brother from another mother. That's true. Okay. Fun. Oh, can I do a show review? Um, I've started the show uh, Manifest on Netflix. It's mm -hmm. the show about these people that took a, a flight and then they landed, and when they landed, it was actually five and a half years later. That's a network show, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, it was like an ABC or NBC. Yeah. No one knows. And I, I, I was like, I'm bored. I need like a show to like wind down at night, like when Mrs. Planner's not available to watch our 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 stories. Uh, and so I started watching it. The concept's really interesting. You leave uh, the Bahamas or Bermuda or something like that. Interesting concept. You land and it's five and a half years later. Everyone else has moved on, but you have an age and no one knows why this happened. That's the concept of the show. So interesting. But now I'm sucked into the show and it's real stupid. Like I, I can't get out of the show because now I got to know what happens, but it's just getting dumber and dumber. Just and Google. so that's my review of Manifest. Just Google it. See if they ever told you exactly what it is and move on. Have you, uh, please tell me that one of the shows you and Mrs. Planner are watching is Ted Lasso. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, we're, okay. I mean, if the new episode comes out today, we're ready to yeah. go. Like it is. It yeah, is we, well, we, you and I hadn't discussed it since the yeah. new season started. And I, every time I sit down to watch the, the next uh, episode, I'm like, oh, Pete and I haven't talked about this yet. I hope he's watching. And so, oh, it's great. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Such a great show. Um, all right. You ready for Americans spending more money? Yes. Americans spend more money. And three, two. One. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, I don't know if you know this, but Americans are spending more money. That is according to a recent report uh, by Mass Mutual Consumer Spending and Saving Index. Before we get going on this, I, I, I mean... Yeah, yeah, this one passes the sniff test. You and I in the last segment weren't buying that last study, but I am buying this study. Um, and if no other reason, because of stimulus dollars, right? Totally. And people have, well, I mean, for a few reasons. They, they didn't spend anything in 2020, or at least it was restricted. Then they, uh, they got a lot of money through stimulus checks, mud burning holes in their pocket, got to go spend it on something. And uh, the world opens back up, and they're walking around like they've got it just fallen out of their pockets. Yeah, I mean, an average family of four right now, a young kids that qualifies for the advanced child tax credit is getting somewhere between $500 to $600 a month from July 15th through December 15th of this year. So that alone accounts for a big portion of the, on average, $765 more a month Americans are spending between dining out and taking trips this passes the sniff test, but here's my, here, I don't have a beef with this, but I, I think here's the context. Number one, April of 2020, no one's spending anything other than like black market toilet paper. Yeah. Because you couldn't and you were scared and it just seemed prudent to not spend money. So the fact that the <laughs> spending has increased um, over last year's spending, I think people are just getting back to their regular spending levels plus a little bit from stimulus, no? Yeah, I think that's the problem that we see with so many of these headlines that are saying oh, people are spending more or saving more or saving less or whatever it is than they were last year. Well, yeah, let's think about the events that we all went through in 2020. 
a lot of these things are just reversion to the mean at that point. We aren't, uh, we aren't breaking new ground or we aren't going nuts in a lot of different ways. It's just we're not all terrified sitting at home trying to figure out if we can go find disinfecting wipes at the grocery store or the hardware or Facebook marketplace. And uh, we're, we're doing life like we did in 2019. What is the most ridiculous, in retrospect, thing you did from a safety perspective? I'll give you an example of mine so you can think of yours. Early in the pandemic. Early in the pandemic, when I would go to like the local CVS to grab sundries, <laughs> I think at one point I taped my pant leg, closed them at the ankle with a, with a form of tape. Really? I don't know why I thought <laughs> I was, I was not sleeping much. I was working a lot. I may have been, um, just not a good place mentally, but I feel like it was, I was going to get ET out of the closet. <laughs> I am not laughing at you. I am laughing at the image of you. Oh man. And I was wearing, I don't think I was wearing, go was I wearing goggles? No. I don't know. No, I no. I don't think it was hard, but I will say this. Did you have anything? You didn't have anything remotely no, like that. Not, nothing no, nothing close to you're that. You're having people breathe in your mouth. You're a real toughie. Yeah. I, you know, just you're trading, you know, germs from people around the country, seeing what we could build up in ourselves, I guess. Um, I will say this. So early in the pandemic, we were spending like nothing. Mrs. Planner and I noted that we, we probably were spending $750 less a month. I think we actually did the math on it. Uh, we were spending significantly less. Uh, and then that came back. Like I think by the fall, we were, we were spending more. I say even this earlier this year, we were spending more. I don't know why. It might just be because we're busy or we're focused or something right now. We're spending a lot less on carryout. So I'm curious from a dining out carryout standpoint, I don't know what that means for you all, but we were always pre-pandemic, generally a two dine out meals a week, probably a Friday and a Saturday. Uh, where were you pre-pandemic? Oh boy, that's really tough to pinpoint because of the um, the events that my, our kids are uh involved in and trying to make sure that they are not turning into uh, angry little monsters because they're they're hungry all the yeah. time and uh, the the amount of travel that we have to do to do that stuff um we were probably a little bit more than two meals per week not necessarily for cassie and i but just to make sure that there were some calories going in those those mouths so uh three probably closer to three for for the kids yeah, we could trend that way. I would say this, though. Once the pandemic happened, we went to zero for a long time. And what became interesting is that we learned how to make pretty reasonable meals pretty quick. We learned food prep became a skill and a necessity. So even now, like last night, we thought we were going to get carry out. Well, soccer practice got canceled. And I, I was like, well, I'll just make something now. And so where previously we had made the decision we were getting carry out, now... We just were like, well, now we have the time and, and, we'll, and we'll just cook. And so I think I'm curious with this study that people are spending $765 more a month on travel and dining. I wonder, would it be higher if people didn't have those new sort of preparation skills from food from a standpoint? I, I don't know. Do you feel like you're, you've evolved that way too? I think, I think you might be 
I don't want to say the exception because I, I think there's a lot of people in your boat, but maybe in the minority on that because I, I think you you enjoy cooking anyway. I love it. Yeah, and you found out you found out that it it's really not as much of a burden as maybe you thought it was two years ago with, with prep and and you get the family to chip in and all that other stuff. So now it's it becomes a a welcome part of your life for some family time as well. I think a lot of people are still just as crunched as ever with the need for convenience and time management. And they see an easy out in having somebody else make their food for them. So uh, I wouldn't anticipate a lot of people to necessarily feel the same way you do, but man, I wish I, I did feel more like you do. I will say that the travel component of this study, I 100% buy because of how expensive it is to travel right now. Our family trip to California this summer was friggin' expensive. It was, thank God for airline miles. It was really, really expensive. And we're going to on a long weekend um, over Labor Day. And it's going to be super expensive. I I think a a lot of this $765 a month is just extrapolated out of people's travel budget. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I think that's real reasonable. I mean, travel is ridiculous. I mean, for a while, you couldn't even find cars when you when you get to an airport. It was nuts. So a lot of this chunks going towards travel. And, you know, if if you got to eat while you're on vacation, too, chances are you're not uh, not making food while you're uh, in your hotel room. So you're going to go out and do all that too so there may be some overlap in these these categories as well of course we stream every week on facebook live friday at noon uh restaurant tour neil brown notes uh, right now i find a lot of people felt like they had to cook more during the pandemic and they are getting that time back now by eating out more yeah that you know i i bet that is actually the the more common sentiment uh and uh, zonda uh, notes also that prices in restaurants are going up that i have noticed that I've absolutely noticed restaurants are a lot more expensive. And I don't say that judgmentally. Um, I, I say that observationally. Uh, they, they are absolutely going up. Uh, it goes almost back to our tipping conversation from last week, Dan. Yeah, it's just a fact of the world that we're living in. And their costs are going up on all fronts for restaurant owners. And they've got to provide for their own families, make sure they're running a profitable business. So those costs are going to get passed on to the, the customers in some way, shape, or form. All right, Dame, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, 74% of colleges are facing financial challenges, according to a new survey of higher ed professionals. You know, this would be a remarkable story if it was 20% of colleges are having an issue. Dame, 74% of colleges are struggling financially. So we're going to talk about why, what's going to happen, and the role the enrollment cliff will play in all of this around 2025 when you see significant decline in college enrollment. All that's next. Is your alma mater going under? Is mine? I, I hope not. All that's next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. When I started winding up on that early, <laughs> I could see your face like, really, dude? You're, you're, you're going for a 50-second outro? Well, hey, you're the pro. Apparently, I am. You know, we got done with last week's show, Dame. I don't know if anyone else felt this way. We got off the air. And what did I say to you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. If it wasn't good. Like, I, well, I wasn't good. You were fine. But I, I just, like, I was so tired. I had nine live shows last week, and I was just exhausted. So, How many live you know. shows did you have this week? 
nine. <laughs> I'm getting. Uh, I'm getting uh, used to it, though. Oh, well, I'm sure that's it. But you know, I will say this. You know, we serve hundreds and hundreds of thousands of organizations, uh, or not organizations, <laughs> people, participants through what we do. And to reach people on an individual basis used to be a lot harder than it is now. And so we've just pivoted to the point where. I'm I'm live streaming, broadcasting, doing TV shows, whatever you want to call it, all day long. And it's just such a better mechanism for helping people change their finances than anything we've ever had before. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon. No, I love how we do it. And I think we've got a nice uh, push, uh, almost a, a tip of the spear with with you kind of leading the charge on uh, making sure we're in front and on the front of people's minds. Then they call my team and, and we can help them through whatever they're dealing with. So I, I, th- I think it's a really good setup. Yeah, it is almost like I'm the cheerleader. And, and, and I mean, I'm just up there like the, the ringmaster. And then people come to you and get the help, your team. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's good. I don't you know. Are, yeah. I've got it. You Why are not? the infomercial that motivates people to call us. Oh, uh, let me do an infomercial. Yes. Um, let's see. What, what's the, what topic do we want to do here? Uh, college college okay let me see what i can do here let me go full screen do you want a weird voice no now Now from from the creators of mock retirement retirement, you have i don't know if i I bailed (laughs) i'm sorry i don't know oh i this portion of the program is brought to you by kirkland signature cold brew coffee 100 colombian so dame oz got these for me at the office and they are like nitro fuel. I can't have one past 11 a.m. because if I do, I can't sleep. But if I have one of these within 20 minutes of a live stream, I don't even need the internet. Like that's how, it, it, I think I've never had um, illicit drugs. If This is not surprising when looking at me. I've had a lot of sandwiches, that is uh, obvious. I believe this is just um, canned cocaine. I, I'm not sure. Did they just take some four loco and put it in a different can, and and that's what you're at in that right now? I don't know. I highly recommend Kirkland Signature Cold Brew Coffee, 100 Colombian. There's this, like this really um, provocative jaguar face on the can. Can you see it? Barely. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can uh, do this for the. Uh, this is where the podcast people are always like, "Can you just do the show again?" But you know what? Look. Sometimes I, I, you get rewarded for being here with us. So let me do this. Oh, people are going to see the big blemish on my face too. When I do Can you make sure uh, Oz uh, cuts this segment and sends it to Kirkland's or uh, Costco for yeah. some sponsorship? Look at that, oh, that Jaguar. Can you see it? Oh, green eyes. He's. I, I'm going to go a little inappropriate here. It's kind of sexual. You know what I mean? He's sort of looking at you like he's, like he's trying to seduce you. Any thoughts about that? It's staring deep into my eyes. It's it's hard to no. look away. Is it like one of those paintings where the eyes just follow you all over the room? Um, I. It kind of looks like it. Oh man, this is delicious though. But I can only have one. It's still got less coffee or co- uh, caffeine than <laughs> a um, Starbucks venti. So, yeah. uh, all the people uh, who are um, listening on the podcast right now, I'm sorry. Do you remember when we were still trying to figure out like how we're going to do the flow of this and the first couple shows, it it became the show behind the show. And then people were commenting on iTunes, like go back to the old format. 
I don't care. I like this. I, I like this. I can't believe you read comments. I don't I don't know. I have all sorts of weird thoughts these days. I got to catch up with our good buddy, friend of the show, and he's going to be on the show here soon, Phil Schumann, the executive director of financial wellness at Indiana University. Dave, you and I have to actually catch up about that conversation. Phil's a genius, and I have to tell you about what they've done. So I'm looking forward to it. And I just want to give you a heads up. It has started raining here, and I heard a rumble of thunder. I have no idea what's going to be picked up by my microphone if, it, if there is a legit thunderstorm. Sounds like someone had chili last night. And they're just trying to make excuses. <sighs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what that means. Okay, in three, two. Oh, I got I to gotta, hold on, everybody. I got to start the clock. And you know exactly what that means. I know exactly what that means. Uh, in three, uh, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, colleges were always going to be in trouble by around 2025 because of birth rates in our country. Round about um, the Great Recession. Is that the one I'm thinking about? Yeah, Great Recession. People stopped um, <clears throat> having children. And so that means that there were less uh, 18-year-olds 18 years later to go to college, which means enrollment in these universities who've spent a tremendous amount of money on physical buildings and infrastructure and all sorts of other things were going to be in trouble unless they made some serious changes. Well, throw in a pandemic, throw in uh, other issues that way, and now you have 74% of universities, colleges and universities under major financial constraints uh, to the point of some of these places may actually go out of business. Isn't that shocking to think like huge, huge storing institutions can go out of business? We've seen a lot of, well, a lot is a, an exaggeration, but we, we've seen a number of smaller institutions already go that way. They've, they've closed up and said, we don't have the enrollment numbers and we don't have the cash flow to try and make this happen on a, a year in, year out basis. So. Uh, go find uh, your education elsewhere and, and we'll transfer your credits on your behalf. But it was going to, or at least it's been presumed that it was going to start finding its way into bigger institutions, more mainstream institutions that, that people have uh, some name recognition with. And we are knocking on that door. And then as, as you said, with the inclusion of the, the challenges the pandemic has thrown at it, this may be a, a bigger event than originally anticipated. Here's why I bring this up, because for years, many parents have said something along the line of this idea. It is college is going to have to get less expensive because of all the alternatives and the efficiencies created by technology. It's just going to have to because it can't continue to increase at this pace. And so compare that to the idea that there's going to be less revenue coming into these institutions because of less enrollment, yet they have increasing expenses to deal with. Those two concepts don't line up. In fact, according to Citizens Annual Student Lending Survey, 56% of college students and their parents expect their costs, including tuition, room and board, meal plans, travel and activities, to increase this year by $8,700 on average, Dame, this is how this shakes out. College isn't about to get cheaper because of efficiency in virtual learning. It's about to get more expensive because there's fewer students to pay the salaries of all the faculty and staff. Yeah, it's gonna be a big challenge. The colleges have expanded their offerings and their staff. 
um, a lot of administ extra administration or what people feel is extra administration type positions, uh, as well as providing amenities to attract students to their campuses. And that's all going to change. It's, it's changing already. And if the, the money is not there, well, they've still got fixed costs they got to cover. And that means that cost is going to go up. Sticker shock is going to go up and families are going to be tasked with really, really tough decisions. Do they take out more loans? Do they choose different institutions? Do they go a trade route instead of college altogether? It's, it's going to be a very interesting decade that we're facing. Yeah. You know, what's weird. I'm wrong a lot. I don't, that's actually not weird. You know that you've known me for a while now. I'm wrong a lot. And my assertion was college is just going to get cheaper and cheaper because of efficiencies. But I think there's some additional elements that I just didn't take into account. I didn't take into account there'd be a global pandemic in which international students and out of state students for public institutions would not attend at the same rate they were prior to the pandemic. And that's a big problem. International students pay a tremendous amount more to a university, as do out-of-state students. And, and, and colleges are seeing the impact of that. So here's what I think is going to happen. This is prediction time. All right, mark the date. What day? Today is, uh, as we record this here, what is today? No one knows. 20-something. 7th. All right, 27th of August, 2021. Put in the time capsule. The rise of community college will continue. I believe, like in the Great Recession, community colleges will dominate the higher ed landscape as people look for alternative, uh, cost-sensitive ways to get that, that big degree. You th what are your thoughts? I, I hope they're taken more seriously, for sure, because they are a very cost-effective way to get some of those gen ed credits out of the way where the the differences in level of instruction aren't going to be all that great between uh, a four-year institution and a community college. Sometimes, in, in some cases, the same instructors are teaching. They just walk across the street to, to teach the class in a different building. So it, it's a fantastic way to minimize your overall college expense bill as a, uh, as a parent who's, who's trying to figure out how to make this all work. So if, if you have this opportunity available to you, to look at a community college for whatever education program your child wants to do, look into it. You could save significant amounts of money, significant amounts. You know, you and I talk about this a lot professionally. I was going to say we talk about it personally too, but that makes us seem like real dull people. Parents, when it comes to college decisions, oftentimes they go the wrong route. They go the, hey, we'll make it work route, which is oddly enough, about the worst thing you can do other than like rock climbing without a rope. Um, it's the worst time you can say, hey, we'll figure it out is college planning for a kid because you can create this escalation of commitment where the student, it, it does work for two years to two and a half years or seven semesters, five semesters, and then you're trapped. You have to borrow and borrow and borrow. The parent has to borrow to have that child finish the degree and we see more and more of it. Now, I will say, changing topics within the topic, this is such an issue that colleges are struggling financially that even one of the biggest endowments in all of the land, Stanford University, uh, let workers go here recently because of the pandemic. Now, you could argue that this was a shrewd, overly shrewd maneuver to save 
money within the endowment. But you could also say if they're struggling that bad that they have to let people go, aren't all schools going to struggle? Although I, I'm going to disagree with myself and say I, it might have been overly shrewd. Well, a lot of endowments have a, a big portion of their assets tied up to very specific uses. So to say that, well, they've got a, a $2 billion endowment, how can't they make this work? Well, if uh, you know 80% or 90% of that has to be used for identified purposes and not for the general use of, of the, the institution itself, it's really not all that helpful. So you have to always take that, that uh, um, endowment number with a grain of salt. You don't know how much is actually available to the institution for operating expenses, for example. So yes, uh, you would think that there are some schools that are definitely going to have to uh, start sharpening the pencil and maybe you don't offer 150 different degrees and you, you got to trim that down a little bit, but they're going to have to figure out a way to, to cut expenses because they can't keep raising the prices and expect people to keep going. Did I tell you that, uh, of course, you know, with Phil Schumann at uh, Indiana University, we had a partnership with, it's called Money Smarts, and we help educate college students through their universities. One of the schools that uses those services is a school that my nephew matriculated to last week as a freshman, and I he doesn't know, but he's going to be required to watch his <laughs> uncle teach him about money. And I cannot wait for the text message of just absolute face palming from both he and my sister. I think it's going to be great. Are you going to uh, give him pop quizzes to see if he was paying attention? Yeah. You know, I'm everyone wants to be the cool uncle, but I'm pretty sure his other uncle, like his dad's brother is the cool uncle and his dad's sister's husband. I think they're the cool uncle. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. you know, they're, I'm I'm not the cool uncle. That's no. the thing. No. Mm, it's too bad. All right, Dame. Let's do this. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. I'm feeling pretty good about the waste of money this week. I, I like a really soft, comfortable t-shirt, but I'm not sure it's worth this cost, especially given what they're saying the value is in buying it. I will share that with you next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. My wind-ups are long today. It's all right. I don't know. I'm definitely not the cool uncle. I, I, wi- I, I wish I was. I should text him and ask him if I'm the cool uncle. Uh, do you really want the answer to that question? No. That's like, that's real passive aggressive anyway. Yeah. You have any uh, nieces or nephews? Uh, yeah, two. Are, are you a cool uncle? I am uh, the only uncle. No, that's oh. not true. That's not true. So you're by the other side of the family. If you're the only uncle, that would also make you the creepy uncle. It's true. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I can wear both those shoes. I've got two feet. Uh, can you imagine you're at school, you're, you're freshman year, you're away from home. You're like, I got some distance from my family. You log on your computer to take the financial wellness course and your doofus uncle is doing it. What's better is you, your friends are going to be like, you see that guy on the financial wellness and you're like, yeah, what a, what a weirdo. And you know, as a, as uh, I, I've been on video a lot uh, in the last 10 years or so, it's basically the barbershop haircuts poster for me from like bad haircuts to worse to no hair and beards and no beards. Uh, I believe <laughs> I don't remember actually, but I remember when we shot those videos, I think I was a bearded haired man and now I have neither. I think you were too. Uh, that was like right before me, if I remember correctly. 
Yes. Was it? Well, I mean, there were there were some that were done yeah. uh, at the beginning of my tenure, but I think there was an entire season-ish, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> no uh, done r- before my arrival. All right, let's do this. I'll remove that. Are you ready to do... I almost hit a button that may have closed the whole show just now, and I didn't, Ooh. thank God. I am going through my stories because we just talked about two of them, so I'm trying to figure out what my new stories are going to be. Sorry. So. Hello, Brian Pinkins joins uh, the show. Hello, Brian Pinkins. Yeah. Is it weird to say I saw a picture of him the other day? Like, just like someone joins in, like, oh, I saw a picture of you the other day. Is that a creepy thing to say to someone? Uh, it could be. I think it's creepier if I were to say it to a woman. Like, let's say, oh, uh, Madeline Jenkins, uh, hey, I saw a picture of you the other day. <laughs> that would be creepy, right? I mean, some people might find it, but maybe you've known Madeline for years. That just sounds creepy. Yeah. I don't, I, I certainly don't try to be creepy. I don't believe to be a creepy person, but I think you get to a certain age as a, a guy in your 40s. You're not, I'm not cool anymore. Uh, I have a tween daughter. Like, I, I think I inadvertently say creepy things and it's not because I'm a, a creep, but just cause I'm, I've become more awkward. You, you feel like you're becoming more awkward. Your daughter's almost not old enough for you to be awkward yet. Yeah. Nobody told us about this phase of our life where that you know, everybody tells you about the awkwardness in your teens. Yeah. Nobody told us about the awkwardness in your forties. That is so true. I'm stealing that. Are you ready for the ready? Or do you need more time or not? No, I'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the Volback Black Algae T-shirt. Algae is the new black. At least at Volback's Black Algae T-shirt, the single-celled organism is being used to create a sustainable algae-based ink. Instead of using traditional black dyes made with fossil fuels... This shirt gets its slate hue from Black Algae Inc. Developed with biomaterials company Living Inc., the non-toxic pigment is made using carbon dioxide-absorbing algae harvested from giant open-air pots. The ink is then printed on an eco-friendly fabric crafted from responsibly harvested <laughs> eucalyptus beech and spruce where it continues to lock in the carbon dioxide emissions for the next 100 years. After printing the shirt, it is pre-washed with a softener made from mangoes to give it a lived-in feel while the uv resistant ink will continue to look as fresh as the day it was purchased for years to come now dame here's the thing i'm not anti-environment i believe in climate change i want to do everything i can i don't want to own this t-shirt though it just seems like a little much it's like telling the people at starbucks what temperature you want the drink served at you know what i mean i I appreciate a nice, comfortable T-shirt. Yes. This sounds like this T-shirt got a nice spa treatment before it got sent out to to find its new owner with eucalyptus and mango and uh, who knows what other stuff is going on there. I this has to be a two hundred and fifty dollar T-shirt. It's a pretty good guess. It's $110, but I don't want a t-shirt. I don't want to wear a piece of well, a t-shirt that is more important than I am. And I'm not saying I'm an important person, but this t-shirt has a history. It has like a legacy and I, I don't need that sort of pressure. I just want to wear like a hope plumbing t-shirt that my friend Jack gave me and just wear it around. That's all I want. It does look incredibly comfortable though. It does look really comfortable. You can tell by the way the wrinkles are in the shirt. 
then it just those wrinkles just go over my fat folds in such a nice way. Dame, what's in the news this week? I'm I'm still thinking about seeing if you and I could just go together on one T-shirt and we could share custody of it. Would you share? Would you share a T-shirt with me? I mean, that seems a little weird because what if you use a different detergent than we use, and then you then I smell you when I wear you. Like, like I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Supreme Court put an end to the moratorium that protected renters from being evicted during the pandemic yesterday. That'd be Thursday, for those of you listening on the radio. In a 6-3 decision last night, the court said that the CDC, which imposed the moratorium, didn't actually have the legal authority to do that. In practice, that means hundreds of thousands of people in the United States could potentially be evicted from their homes now that the protections have been tossed. We've been talking about this for a very long time, and we have been uh, making the assertion that this is one of the scarier things that's going to happen in the midst of the recovery is when the reckoning comes. And I say that respectfully. I don't mean people are due a reckoning. I, I, I really don't mean that. I am curious, though, at this point, with people not paying rent and landlords being stuck with the problem and, and landlords being vilified like they've done something wrong, I wonder if the moratorium ending is the solution we need. And I, I say that uh, with kid gloves. I, I, I feel like this is going to bring us a new level. It's, it's going to have, I, I feel like, some impact that was not necessarily foreseen by everyone. There's going to be some surprises, I think, that come out of this. However, if you find yourself in a position or know of somebody who is in a position where they are probably going to be evicted based on what's going on in their lives. There is assistance out there. Have that individual call two one one and see if they can find uh, either the state or the local program for rent assistance, because there is a ton of it out there. In fact, I have a story about it. Would you like Wait, to hear it, Pete? I do, I do want to hear it, but one, that's awesome that you just gave that number Two, when you started to give that number, I thought it was going to be, a full length number no. and I would, my head was going to spin, but, but someone dials two one, one, like a nine one, one, but they're on two one, one. They, w what is that to? Is it to rental assistance? No, it's, it's typically to, um, a, a phone number that's staffed and run by a local or regional United way that can connect you with all sorts of different programs for whatever challenge you might be facing at that point in time. However, uh, the government has used them uh, and the 211 number to try and get people connected with the rental assistance um, programs in their area. Now, in Indiana, for example, a lot of the uh, major metropolitan areas have their own programs that are going on. So if, if you live in um, yeah, Hamilton County or in the Fort Wayne area or things of that nature, you're, you're going to have a different program. You could still call 211 and get directed in the, in, in the right place, but... Uh, people who live in, in some of the more rural counties will have a different program to go through. Yeah, I, I read an article, I think it's the one you're going to right now, is that a vast majority of the funds set aside with rental assistance have gone completely unclaimed. Indeed. Only 11% of the tens of billions of dollars in federal rental assistance have been distributed at this point. What do you attribute that to? I mean, I, it probably says in the article, but what's your best guess? Is it just... Um, not connecting the program with the user. Yeah, I, I honestly think that's a lot of it. It's it been uh, some administration, uh, administrative, not administration, administrative sure. issues going on from the individual states because these are 
programs that the states were in um, required to implement on their own. So you've got some some administrative issues going on with potential red tape and in the individual state themselves. And then you've got marketing this out to the individuals who need the assistance. If even if you set up the best program to to get this money out dispersed as quickly as possible, if you can't get that message in front of people or criminy i i would have pushed it to landlords too and in their organizations to to try and let them pass that on to their their renters um it's going to fail if you have no customers it's going to fail doesn't matter what type of of program or business you're running so there's been a a monumental screw up along the way and it's going to be somewhat difficult to to pin the tail on the donkey on this but it was not executed well at all. Yeah, I agree because I feel like the whole eviction moratorium pitted landlords versus tenants in just an unnecessary way because we we empathetically said, hey, we get it. You're not going to be evicted. Okay, I'm down. I agree. 100%. I'm in. But why did that get put on the landlords to, 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 to stomach that? It's like this, uh, this funding which has gone untapped, 89% of it that has gone untapped is driving the wedge deeper between the landlords and the tenants when it actually would be the solution to them. And that that's frustrating. Like I know a lot of things have gone well in a reactive way in the last 18 or 19 months. We as a country have, have done good things. We have done some uh, less than ideal things. This one sort of stinks, man. I, I feel like we we had the idea to set the money aside, but then the execution on this has just been terrible from day one. Yeah, the funding was not the issue on this. Well, I mean, we'll never know. Maybe it <laughs> no, wasn't enough. Maybe it wasn't enough money, but we'll never know because it just never connected. And it's, it's a shame because it could have uh, prevented a lot of heartache and a lot of hand-wringing for individuals and people. And, um, landlords alike you know i will say this think about this what if it now increases now that the eviction moratorium is ending that people actually tap it maybe it was the eviction moratorium that sort of gave this um uh this idea that well i can't get kicked out anyway so i'm not going to go look for assistance wonder if this is what changes i'm trying to think there's a term I, i can't think of uh that's not helpful for doing a radio show um Anyway, it it, 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 it it made it so renters wouldn't go seek out this program because they couldn't get kicked out. And maybe this is what changes it. I don't know. Could be. Could be. I hate when I can't think of a, a really witty term and then it just doesn't come out. And then meanwhile, like dead air. That's that's a good time, broadcasters. What else, Dame? Oh, we, oh, we have no more time. No. That's it. That's all there is. Dame, I hope you have a wonderful Labor Day. I believe that is next weekend. Yes. All right. For everyone else, I also hope you enjoy your Labor Day by not working because that's how Labor Day works, I think. All right. Hey, send me good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this was the Pete the Planner Financial Radio Show. What is the term I'm thinking of? Moral hazard. Oh, yeah. (sighs) Moral hazard. You can just go back in and edit the last... 30 seconds or so of the uh, show. Damn, I'm going to end the show because this oh. thing this thing is sending me out the other way. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. Hey everybody. I want I want I'm going to send a sincere message in the show. Hold on, I'm going to go some, my screen only, Dame.
Okay. And I'm going to kill the banner. Uh, the podcast is going to love this. Can you change the lights? Oh, yeah. Let's change the lights. Going to change the voice. Listen. Listen. I, I want, want you to know, know how much I love you. And I care for you. I'm thinking about you at appropriate times, not inappropriate times. I'm thinking about you at appropriate times. I hope you have a wonderful week. And as always, stay getting money.